Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate his love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Hello everyone. Hi. The uh, last time I had the privilege of standing up here and sharing something was to a camera slap bang there and about half a dozen people. So to have, I don't know, whatever numbers here and the guys have done an awesome job over the months and getting us all online, this is a huge privilege to be in here and have so many of you back in the house and it will only build as we go on. Um, so as we continue our winter series on choosing joy, it's my privilege to share something from the second half, hands out of the pocket, second half... <laughs> Of chapter 2 in Philippians 2. So those of you that have a Bible and or whatever you have, it's the second half of Philippians 2, so it's from 2.19. We will be putting the words up on the screen. I am using the NIV, but there's always something nice about getting the good old Bible out and seeing it there in front of you. Um, so as we get to the end of chapter 2, this first half, uh, the second half here, most of your Bibles will have the title and put, they'll have a title of something put there. Now remember, there was no titles to start with. There, those little things put in there are either used as, a, I guess, a reference point for us or maybe just give us a pause to tell us about what might be coming up in the next little section. So in my Bible, this is titled Timothy and Epaphrodites. <laughs> if he was Australian, he would have got his name well and truly shortened by now, but <laughs> we'll go for Epaphrodites. And so when I read this, because sometimes when those are there, there's, that's a bit of a distraction for us. But this is Epaphrodites is only mentioned in Philippians. So you go, okay, well... Timothy and Epaphrodites, but there's so much more going on in this section that I think just putting the title Timothy and Epaphroditus might be a little weak, but we'll see. <laughs> That's me personally. And I hope you've enjoyed the series so far and hearing different people bringing their different perspective of the scriptures and different sections, and especially with the focus being on choosing joy. When we have the privilege of getting up here and reading scriptures, none of them ever sound boring when they get up. But what we're doing is reading something off a page, really. So I'm going to share with you what I do and how I get to the, the point of being able to study the word. It may not be the way that everybody else does it, but this is the way I do it. So we'll see how we go. <laughs> so to start with... I train automotive apprentices around the state of South Australia. So when they sit, go to sit there and do their knowledge assessment or theory assessment, I give them this piece of advice. Read carefully. Read carefully. And remember to read carefully. And so they do the assessment and inevitably they end up with a few questions wrong and once they've passed the assessment, I always like to go back through with them and show them why they got 
question's wrong. And I'll go read that question again, will you? And they read it again and they go, I got it. And if they don't quite get it that time, I say, just read the question out loud so you can hear it with your own ears. And 99 times out of 100, those two methods, and I don't need to explain anything, they know why they've got it wrong by reading it and reading it again and reading carefully. And that's what I do with scriptures. Because sometimes when we read anything, especially the Bible, I guess, we just read so quickly and we read words off a page, which we can do. And we glance at the words and we go, yeah, I know what that means. But remember, this was all written in English. And English really is a bit of a weak. Compared to the original language, it's pretty weak. So sometimes when we see words, and and as Chad has pointed out before, we stop and go, why did he put things in a certain order when he wrote it out? Because remember, this whole book of Philippians was a letter written to the Philippian church. So you stop and you think, and I think when we read, and it doesn't matter what we read, we actually read in what's called monotone if you read something for the very first time all you're doing is reading words off a page and when you read it go back and read it again and read it again you hear yourself or you start to pick up the adjectives that are there or you start to pick up a bit of a feeling for what is actually there let me try to explain that a little bit further so if you go to philippians 2 19 And just that very first verse, if you read it for the very first time, you will simply read the words off a page. And this is how we'll read it. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I may be cheered when I receive news about you. (laughs) Beautiful. But once you've read it, read it again, you go, oh, maybe it meant, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I may be cheered when I receive news about you. It's just from reading it again. So I'm going to read this section of Scripture from, two nine, uh, from, Timothy, uh, from, yeah, Timothy, from Philippians 2, 19 to the end in the way that I would like... So if I wrote it, how I would have written it, and how I would have hoped that if that was being written out, uh, read out, what it would sound like. The trusty NIV. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare for everyone looks out for their own interest not those of Jesus Christ but you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father he has served with me in the work of the gospel I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Hmm. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphrodites, 
he's my brother, my co-worker, and my fellow soldier, who is your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill. He almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him alone, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of the Christ. He risked his life to make up for the health you yourself could not give me. From reading and reading and reading again. The more we read that, the more we actually see in it. When we slow down and just think about why things have been put there. So that we see first up, Timothy is mentioned. How the fact that he was with Paul when this letter was written. Paul was in Rome, in house arrest. Timothy's with him. And um, then he sends, says to them, I hope to send Timothy to you, to you, to the Philippian church, so that he could be cheered when he receives news about them. So his purpose for sending Timothy is to find out how the Philippian church is going and getting the news back. So this got me thinking a little. So if Paul and Timothy are in Rome, where is Philippi? So is this like rocking down from Victor Harbour here, maybe to Port Elliot or to Middleton or maybe across to Goulburn or up to Adelaide? Not a chance. My map's at the back of the book here. Rome is here. Philippi is in Macedonia, which is modern-day Greece. Look up your maps later. There is Rome. There is Greece. There is a great big chunk of water in the road. Massive chunk of water in the road. If you go direct, direct, it's about 900 k's. I assure you, there were no direct flights in 60 AD. <laughs> in fact, when you look it up now and just type in Google, you know, Google, can I get from... Philippi, you know, from Rome to Philippi, it's about 1,300 k's. And I'm sure back in 60 AD, it would have been way longer. So Timothy has to travel this 1,300 k's. Not that bad, 1,300 k's. Paul wants to know how the Philippian church is going. So he's travelled there. What does he do when he gets there? Grabs out his phone. All good here, Paul? No, he's got to get the news back to Paul somehow. Just think about that one for a little while. Remember, Timothy had to walk, and he had to walk, and he had to walk, and he had to walk. Catch a boat, walk some more, so that Paul could find out how the Philippian church was going. You could I could continue looking at Timothy in there, and the impact he actually had on Paul. Because somehow he points out there, he also says, to the Philippian church that you know that Timothy has proved himself. Once again, not quite sure how the Philippian church knows because they're going to get the message 
all the way there and all the way back. And then we see in verse 24 that Paul says, I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. The guy's in house arrest, but he has the confidence to say, I'm coming soon. Remember Chad shared with us that this is 10 years, you know, back 10 years earlier, he'd been in Philippi and now he's in house arrest in Rome and he's going, but I'm confident I'll come to you soon. Did he have a little bit of an insight into something that was going on that he could go the 13 or 1400 k's back to the Philippian church? And then we see this guy by the name of Epaphrodites and how Paul thinks it's necessary to send him back to the Philippian church, to Philippi. So Epaphrodites has already done this trip and now he says, I want to send him back. But just look at the words that Paul uses to describe him. I could spend ages just looking at these words. He says, he's my brother. He's my co-worker. He's my fellow soldier who is also your messenger. And I said, I could spend ages just looking at what those four words meant just simply to Paul. And this all leads us to the last two two verses because remember our series is on choosing joy so then welcome him in the lord with great joy and and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of christ he risked his life to make up for the help you yourself could not give me so then welcome him in the lord with great joy and honor people like him Paul is reminding the Philippian church to welcome Epaphrodites with great joy. What would that actually look like? When you look up great joy, we get words like rejoice exceedingly, great cheer, with all gladness. But is it much deeper and it goes more in our spirit when we welcome someone with great joy? Is this nearly the excitement of a ticker tape parade? Don't know. Is this the jumping for joy? Is it the overwhelming ha- feeling of happiness just when you raise your hands? Yes, I'm happy. I think joy is a lot deeper than that. Joy is more in your spirit. When I was doing this, this reminded me of a little story. Remind me of something that happened. About 35 years ago. And the reason I'm sharing this is to show you that true joy spans time. So 35 years ago, Kay and I weren't married. We weren't even engaged at the time. And we, I was old school. It sounds old school now. I wanted to ask her dad whether I could marry her. Good job. This is not something that's going to be done over a phone. We are living in Sydney... And her parents are in Adelaide. I know it's a little bit more than 1,300 k's, but anybody that's tried to do that trip, it's a big trip. So, of course, we worked all day on the Friday and then drove through the night on Friday night and got to Adelaide and asked him. And he did end up saying yes. <laughs> and then we, there was a bit of a party for us that night put together. Then we get back in the car and we drive back up into the middle of New South Wales, about another 1,300 k's, to see my parents 
until them, and then we drive back to Adelaide. Sydney, sorry, drive back to Sydney. So that was 35 years ago. And still when we talk about that, that's a joy that comes deep. It was a joy that her parents felt. It was a joy that we felt when, when they actually did say yes. And, and <laughs> a long trip if it hadn't have been. And then with my parents saying yes. But what we don't remember out of that trip is the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of driving that had to have been there. We don't remember that bit. We remember the joy that came from just asking one simple question and getting an answer of yes. Is this the joy that we get deep inside when she actually did say yes? Is this the joy that we get inside when we get married? Is it the joy deep inside when you find out that you're going to be a dad? Is it the joy that you get inside when your kids grow up and they say, we're going to get married? Is it the joy inside when they come to you and say, you're going to be a grandpa by the end of the year? They're all joy things. They're not, oh, they're, yes, there's a bit of overwhelming things that go on, and yes, but it's more, it's deeper in our spirit when you know those sorts of things. And he goes on to say in, that, in the scripture that, Honour people like him. He was reminding the Philippian church to honour people like Epaphrodites. People that were prepared to leave Philippi and travel as a representative of the Philippian church to help Paul out. We see that a little bit, a little bit more in Philippians 4 where they, it talks about what he actually did. And remember, Paul ended up considering him, I don't know the time frame that he was there for, but he ended up considering him, his brother, his co-worker, his fellow soldier, but he was very much a messenger from the Philippian church. And it intrigued me here that he, he reminded them that Epaphrodites longed for them and he was actually distressed because the church had found out that he was ill. He wasn't distressed because he was ill. He was distressed because the Philippian church, 1,300 k's away, had found out that he was ill. And Paul's saying, I sort of need to send him back. He set him up to help me, but now it's time for him to go back. Receive him with great joy. Honour people like him. Could Paul have been referring to another time when he had people come from another church to come visit him? So those of you with Bibles, if you want to flick backwards to 1 Corinthians, well, I take one of these. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 17 and 18. I'll just show you another time where Paul had someone from another church come and visit him. a few few books back so in first corinthians 16 and 18 we find this i was glad i didn't practice all the names probably i was glad when stephanus for today for yeah for today and him 
I changed, so I kept on trying to practice it, and it just <clears throat> arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. And then it says, For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. These guys have turned up, supplied something to Paul, even if it's just time. And then he says, For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. The church in Corinth was refreshed because of what happened. So it says that these people possibly bought this letter from the Corinthian church to Paul. Scholars say that Paul was in Ephesus at the time. And either it was, if you could catch a boat, it was about 300 k's. If you couldn't catch a boat, it was probably about 1,000 k's. Either way, this was not a short trip. But because of that trip, they refreshed not just Paul, but the church back in Corinth as well. And it's not hard to see when you see that it, they refreshed my spirit, that that is, draw, that is joy inside your spirit. You, you, your, your spirit gets refreshed. It's more than just an outward sign, yay, I'm glad you're here. He's, they refreshed my spirit. That's what true joy is. So such people deserve recognition. Such people deserve honour. How about we stop and just honour people like Timothy? Who Paul refers to in a number of his letters. Paul says this about Timothy. I have no one else like him. The translation of that is one in spirit. When you get Timothy, you get Paul. So the same spirit, the same whatever was going on. I remember Timothy served with Paul and proved himself. And now Paul wants to send him to the Philippian church. I've mentioned this a few times. You get the point. He wants to send him to there so that Paul, who is in house of rents, can be cheered when he finds out about the news about the Philippian church. So honour, and we could honour and rejoice with people like Paul. So even though he was in jail or house arrest, when you read some of his other books and what he writes, letters, sorry, no, letters, he was still concerned for other churches and he wanted to encourage them. He actually wanted to get back to Philippi. That was in verse 24. Here's a little thought about Paul and just a thought for everyone. He opens the book of Romans with this. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Paul willingly chose to serve God. You know that we all can do that? He was called to be an apostle. Eh, we're not maybe all called to be an apostle but we're certainly all called to be something. We're called to be a builder. We're called to be a teacher. We're called to be a plaster. We're called to be whatever you're called to be. For the purpose, he says, you are set apart for the gospel. That's what it's all about. No one else can do what you can do. If you were part of the Philippian church or the Corinthian church, Paul wanted to know what was going on in your church. Guess what? That's just a group of people. 
And he wanted to know what was going on. And we're all set apart for the gospel of good, that gospel of God. That should simply bring us great joy when we reflect that we have chosen to follow Jesus and that we have a calling and that Jesus has set us apart for that calling. Yeah, just a thought in there. Honour and rejoice with people that are prepared to travel and put their lives on the line for the gospel. Honour and welcome with gladness people that are prepared to be in other places, in places you may never, ever get to go. It was intriguing. When I was reading this, it reminded me of a story back in 1 Samuel. Now, I'll do a, a brief summary and some of you will go, oh yeah, I remember that story. Because sometimes we consider and go, but I don't, I'm not really a Paul, I can't go and do that. I'm not really a Timothy, I'm not called to do that. I'm not really an Epaphrodites, I, I can't do that. But you're all called, you can all be a part of a church. Because remember, Paul wanted to know what was going on with the church at Philippi. He wanted to know what was going on in the church of Corinth, in Corinthians. So we all share in the rewards of whatever is going on out there. So here's a brief summary of 1 Samuel 30. David finds out that Zelgag has been raided and he heads off to chase him down with 600 men. 200 of them were too exhausted to continue on, so he continued on with 400 of them. Battle was won, he comes back. The 200 of them come out to, and meet him. And some of the 400 go, we are not sharing the plunder with these 200. No, we're not. And David says, uh-uh. This was God's victory, not mine. It was God's victory. Those that stayed with the supplies, we will share the plunder with them. And he goes on, if you read a little bit further, David ended up sharing his plunder in all the other places where David had his men had roamed. What's the point of that story with choosing joy? We all share in the reward. Remember, Paul wanted to know how Philippian church, Paul wanted to know how the Corinthian church was going on. We all share. Imagine you were there just doing that. But we all share in the reward. When one person is saved or in one person, when the gospel is being preached around the world anywhere, we can sit back and go, we had a part in all of that. And we share in the rewards of all of that. Because remember, the letter... This letter was written to, to the Philippian church. It wasn't written in, to an individual. It'd be like getting a letter here. He was to the church in Victor Harbour called Bayside. So therefore, it, he's addressing everyone that's part of it. We didn't, for those of you that are slightly older than me, we did not all win the America's Cup back in the 1980s. But I'll tell you what, it sure felt like it. We were Australian and we won the America's Cup. Did we honour and rejoice with those guys that came back and brought back the Victory Cup? Absolutely. But it was our victory. Absolutely. It was our victory. Those of you that follow sport, and if your team wins the grand final, we won the grand final. Not the 20-odd players that were on the field. We won it. It was our victory. You feel it as much as they do. We absolutely feel the victory. It is ours. Because the point of all of that is that they all share in the victory. Because Paul, the, 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 the very first thing when he says, I want to send Timothy to you 
so that I can be cheered when I hear about the Philippian church. He's in jail, but he wants to know how the Philippian church is going. The people in the Philippian church, what are you doing and how's it all going? And remember back in 1 Corinthians, he said, For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Not only did Paul's spirit, uh, did they refresh Paul's spirit, but the spirit in the Corinthian church, it was filled. Could you imagine if that is how we viewed and welcomed people that are out in the other parts of the world sharing the gospel and linking back to this local church? Why do I say linking back to this local church? Paul linked back to the Philippian church. Paul linked back to the Corinthian church. He wanted to know exactly how they were going. Many years ago, I went to India with one of my sons. He was only 15 at the time. We ended up in places like Old Delhi. We ended up in the slums. We were there on a mission trip. We were part of one church and we went with another church to go in there. We were just simply there to do what we could, what we could for two weeks. We took gifts from our local church. And one of the things that, there was a lot of things that struck us in that trip. But they were genuinely filled with joy because someone from a local church, someone from a church in another part of the world would come and see what they were doing. And genuinely, they were filled with joy. They had nothing to share, but they wanted to share it with you. They had really nothing but a, a, the overwhelming feeling of joy out of them because someone would come and from another part of the world to see what they were doing. Another time, I went to the Philippines with one of my other sons, and that was soon after a natural disaster had hit. They had been flooded, like massive hurricane had gone through. But they were still filled with joy. They wanted to show us what, not show us what had gone, but what was left. And they were genuinely filled with joy because someone from another part of the world would come and see what they were doing. Am I suggesting that we should all pack our bags and head overseas? <laughs> but it is eye-opening. No, because if you go back to the story from 1 Samuel, no one's there to look after the supplies. But just maybe... Maybe what we could do is find someone beyond this church. Because remember, our God is a world God. And with the technology we have nowadays, we could honour and rejoice with men and women around the world. Men and women that connect back to this local church and we can honour and rejoice with them. We can share in what they are doing. We may not be able to be there. But we might be able to send a gift like Epaphrodites did because Epaphrodites had a gift from the Philippian church, took it to Paul, and this is what Paul said about that gift. This is in Philippians 4.18. He says, I am amply, amply supplied now that he had received the gifts you, the church, had sent. They are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. He'd taken a gift, whatever the gift might have been, to Paul, the 13, 1400 kilometers, whatever it was, and that's what Paul thought about the gift that came from the local church. 
I don't know how this completely outworks in your life and what genuine joy when they say, welcome back. Welcome and rejoice. Rejoice and honour. I'm not quite sure what that looks like. But I do know this. I've recently seen on TV that food has given people joy. A car can give us joy. And a piece of jewellery can give us joy. Surely, if all of those material things can give us joy, we should be more overwhelmed with a deeper joy when it comes to the gospel and the gospel being preached around the world. That should bring us a much deeper joy. If the angels can sit there and rejoice, surely we can <laughs> when something happens. When Paul says that we are to welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him. I don't have a cute little thing that matches this, but we can rejoice and honour people like Epaphrodites who was prepared to risk his life for the gospel. We can rejoice and honour with people like Timothy who was prepared to serve with Paul for the work of the gospel. And we can certainly rejoice and honour with people like Paul who so often looked way beyond his current circumstances and wanted to know and he had a heart for the gospel around the world. Choose to rejoice and honour people like this for the sake of the gospel. There are modern-day Epaphrodites. Epaphrodites. Well, gee, that didn't sounded much better in my head. There are modern-day people like Epaphrodites. There we go. Look beyond our local area. There are men and women out there that are prepared to risk their lives for the gospel and they are connected back to this local church. We can rejoice and honour with them and for them. There are modern day Timothys out there. People who are prepared to serve with others in the work of the gospel. We can rejoice with them and with what they are doing. And there are definitely modern-day Pauls out there. People prepared to look past their own concerns. See the really big picture and they have a genuine concern for the gospel of Jesus around the world and they have a genuine concern for churches around the world. So thanks for taking a bit of a journey with me through the last half of Philippians 2. There's a lot in here that somehow or other I've got down on there. Could I suggest that this week, find one of those men and women that connect back to this local church. Why do I say, I think I've mentioned a few times, why someone connects back to this local church? Because Paul linked back to the Philippian church. He also linked back to the Corinthian church, just as the two examples I've shown. He was refreshed when he knew, heard news about the church. He wanted to know what was going on in the Corinthian church. He wanted to know what was going on in the Philippian church. So people that link back to this local church, find them with the technology that we have. Honour them this week and rejoice with them in the work as if you were there with them, giving it your all. Welcome in the Lord with great joy and honour people like them. Thanks and rejoice and have a great week. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, mate.
Um, Philippians is truly uh, a book for such a time as this and I'd suggest do yourself a favour this week and read as Chad keeps asking us to do and suggesting strongly, read Philippians because it's a wealth of information and um, what I'm going to do is just read over us the last few verses of Philippians uh, and then, uh, yeah, we'll call it a day and you'll go forth and have a fantastic week. So this follows on from what Jeff was saying. Um, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Close your eyes and just take, take this in. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What fantastic words to go into the week with. And can I encourage us all to reread Philippians this week? Read the whole, Chad said, and, and I agree takes 10 to 15 minutes to read it and um, receive it into your spirit. And that's the last bit of Philippians. And um, if you want to set yourself up for a win this week, whatever is true, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is good, whatever is admirable, think on those things. Because I'll tell you, um, the world at the moment gives us so much opportunity to think about other stuff. But let's centre ourselves this week. Let's have a, a fantastic week in the Lord. Let us uh, be uh, re represent our Jesus well to others as we go. Bless you all. And thank you uh, for those crew that uh, have been watching online this morning. Trust you've been blessed and uh, happy to have received you. I'll see you again next week. Bless you. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.